then I always thought, like my mom and I would joke, you know, well, then I'll be in Bachelor Nation and then maybe I'll get the chance to meet Nick. And then it was Nick. And I was like, oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Here to Make Friends. I'm Emma Gray. And I'm Claire Fallon. So last week, we had the chance to catch up with The Bachelor's resident mental health counselor, Taylor Nolan. Yeah, it turns out she is exactly like what you'd expect. She's very thoughtful, self-reflective, articulate. She had so much to say about Corinne and the two-on-one date and just her whole experience on the show. And we got to hear her unfiltered reaction to the exciting news about Rachel being the next Bachelorette. So take a listen to the interview and we hope you enjoy it. Taylor, thank you so much for joining us on Here to Make Friends from all the way across the country. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. So we really enjoyed watching you on the season. We have a lot of questions um, about how everything went down. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, it, you know, the first thing to ask is just how did you end up going on this show? Yeah, that's a good question. Um well, I started off watching JoJo's premiere, and it was uh, actually with my stepdad, who had came back from a Mariners game and <laughs> had had one too many to drink. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, the commercials come up that say ABC casting, and uh, he was just, like, badgering me, like, Taylor, you need to apply. Like, you'd be so good on this show. <laughs> wow. Um, and I went on the website, and it's like a very – uh, easy application, just like your demographic information and a photo. Um, so I sent that in and was just like, well, you know, I doubt anything will come of this. So, but whatever, I did that. And, um, then the next morning, actually, they called me and wanted me to come in for an interview, uh, when they came and did their casting call in Seattle. And I was kind of like, okay, I'm I'm sure still nothing will come of this, but you know, why not go and check it out and went to the interview and um, that went super well and things just kind of all continued to go from there. And um, I had recently graduated um, my graduate program in May and all this kind of started happening like mid June. So it kind of felt like if I was going to do something a little crazy and um, (laughs) out of, you know, the normal path of my life, that now would be a good time to do it before starting my career and really you know, getting comfortable and settling down a little bit in that um, and was already kind of exploring dating and being vulnerable and um, trying to really just challenge myself and any experience that I came across. And this just kind of seems like a really extreme way. To do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is like your your um, relationship gap year, except it was yeah. only a couple months. <laughs> how, how many weeks were you actually on um, filming? Um, well, they filmed for about like two months, I believe. Um, and I think I was there for a little over a month, if I remember correctly. Solid amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And was JoJo's season the first time you'd ever watched The Bachelor? No, um, my family and I have watched it for years. My mom watched it when I was little and, um, this episode just happened to be JoJo's premiere and (laughs) my stepdad was... (laughs) Just feeling a little, uh, some kind of way. With his 
<laughs> I feel like this might be the first time we've heard that it was a parent and not a friend <laughs> who encouraged <laughs> someone to apply. Yeah, and I give him so much crap now, too, because I'm like, look at what you got me into. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they're all, like, all my friends and family have all been incredibly supportive of all of it. And, um, you know, especially my parents, I'm very close with them. And, uh, you know, it. They've definitely been there with me every step of the way. So that's really nice. So you mentioned when you first uh, walked out of the limo that all of your friends uh, thought Nick was an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, do they still think that? <laughs> um, that? Like, what did they think about you going on the show? Yeah, um, so there were about like a handful of girlfriends that uh, definitely thought Nick was a villain and were not his biggest fans. Um, they were still very supportive of me, you know, going and kind of trying out this new experience. Um, but since the show, I think people have definitely been a little confused on his decisions and kind of where he's at. And still, like the people that I know that weren't his biggest fans are still not his biggest fans. <laughs> so no, no change there. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Were you expecting to connect with Nick? Mm-hmm. Like what like what kind of expectation mm-hmm. did you go into it with? Yeah, um I was trying to be very open-minded and really checking myself on how hopeful I was getting. Um you know, before I was accepted before I knew it was Nick. Um so I was thinking it was going to be Luke and I was kind of like, yeah, he's attractive. He seems like a sweet guy and, you know, he's comfortable talking about his feelings. So I like that, but <laughs> I was ultimately like, you know, he lives in Texas. Let's kind of probably live different lifestyles. It's probably not going to work out. But then I always thought, like my mom and I would joke, you know, well, then I'll be in Bachelor Nation and then maybe I'll get the chance to meet Nick. And then it was Nick. And I was like, oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, okay, wait, this could maybe be a real thing. And I feel much more vulnerable now. And like, this is actually kind of scary now. Um, and, And I felt like, you know, the times that we did talk, we did have a connection and had good conversations. And um, a lot of the things he talked about in his speeches and stuff were about vulnerability and about being very open and transparent. And um, I felt very much that we kind of spoke a similar language. Uh, so I was I was hopeful. At, when you are going into the show as a 23-year-old, like, recent graduate, um, mm-hmm. and Nick was 36, did the yeah. idea of, of forming a relationship with him and maybe settling down give you any pause? Yeah, so usually I do date older guys, usually, like, 28 to, like, 33, 34-ish max. Um, so Nick was definitely on the, uh, you know, other end of the spectrum there, but... Uh, <laughs> I felt like I went into the experience just hoping to have a good connection with someone and possibly build the relationship. I wasn't thinking at the end of this, I'm going to settle down with him and I'm going to be married. Um, I was very much like, we'll see how it goes. At the end of this, if I make it to the end, we're really just starting a monogamous relationship at that point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't necessarily see myself getting engaged, but it would be more of like a, okay, we're deciding to date each other exclusively now. And let's see where this goes. And that's how the earlier seasons often went. You know, there wasn't always Mm -hmm. the dramatic 
proposal. Fairy tale proposal <laughs> at the end. Yeah. Although I, yeah. I kind of still look at these proposals and engagements as just kind of a permission to begin dating and exploring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You might as well get yeah. the, the hardware <laughs> while you're there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so watching the show back now, how does it feel to see this all play out now that you've had space from the experience? Um, Watching it and actually seeing each episode definitely gives me a large sense of relief. Um, you know, the months leading up to the show airing, you're constantly, at least for me and some of the girls I've talked to, um, you know, you're always replaying your experience and thinking what's going to be shown, what's not going to be shown, what's this person going to say, what's that person going to say, um, what's the storyline going to be that's created, um, you know, wh- which bits and pieces are going to be in and which won't, and it causes a lot of anxiety and it's very stressful. And so actually watching an episode, no matter what is shown, is an automatic, like, sense of relief of, okay, that's what was shown on that date, and I don't have to worry about anything else. <laughs> I don't have to, you know, rethink over and over that day or that um, that evening. Um, but it's also been creating new stress watching the episodes um, and actually seeing what is shown. <laughs> um, yeah. Are there any so, moments that aired that you cringe at or really wish they hadn't included? Yeah. Um, and actually, I would say there's maybe two big ones. One of them, something I said, the other one is something someone else said. Uh, the first thing that I said that I definitely cringed at because I tried very hard to make sure I wasn't labeling, I wasn't personalizing things. Uh, and I can't tell if it was a splice or if it was really just I had reached the end of my rope at my short <laughs> one. <laughs> and I said, she's a manipulative bitch. And I was like, oh, Taylor, no. <laughs> um, I didn't like that I said that. Um, and the other really cringeworthy thing was hearing Corinne uh, say, you know, can't believe she's a mental health counselor and that people would go to you for advice and hearing those things about my professionalism, which wasn't a part of the show or who I was in that environment, um, definitely hit a nerve for me. Yeah. And I mean, you're just starting your career out. That's an interesting. Were you expecting your profession to end up being in the story as much as it was? Because I feel like they, the show sort of built that as your identity at the end of the day. Yeah, which is so frustrating just because I made such a conscious effort going into the show being like, don't put me in a box. You know, like I know that counselors are held to a different standard and it feels very unfair, but I'm going into this experience as Taylor, as a person, you know, I am not here as a counselor. I do not have my counselor pants on. Um, (laughs) And it was very tough because there were a lot of situations where I was like, Oh, someone needs to say something or someone needs to have a conversation about that. And just really having to like separate myself and just be like, I'm just observing things. That's all. I'm just I'm just observing that happening. There's nothing I need to say or do about that. Um, but yeah, it definitely seemed to be my identity on the show and my role on the show. Uh, so it, it it's disappointing that other pieces of me didn't make it on the show. 
because there's, you know, a whole lot that you don't actually get to see of me besides this portrayal that I'm uh, trying to tell people who they are and whatever the case is. <laughs> is there anything in particular that you wish viewers had seen more of during the season? Yeah. Um, I wish that they would have seen more of my time with Nick. Um, you know, it definitely looks like all I do is spend my time talking about Corinne on the show. Which, <laughs> yes, she was a very, um, she was a big focal point in the beginning um, because she was much more out there with her presence and it was something we all had to talk about. Um, but, you know, there was also a lot of time spent with Nick that wasn't shown. Um, and in regards to my storyline with Corinne, there was also a lot of me trying to help her that really wasn't shown. Um, you know, the conversation at the pool party was coming from a place of concern and wanting to really help her out and like let her know what was happening and that this isn't good. Um, and unfortunately that was, taken as Sarah and I being obsessed with her um, and trying to tell her what she needs to do. Um, so I wish that had there been a little bit more shown of me trying to build rapport with, I shouldn't even say that because that sounds like I'm being a counselor now, <laughs> um, but of me trying to build, you know, a relationship with her and trying to help her out in some ways. Um, you know, to kind of counteract this notion that I'm hating her and she needs to go and all this. And just that there was a large part of me that, you know, wanted to try to help her out and also wanted to try to just be very distant from all of it and focus on my time with Nick. Was it tricky to navigate this question of like, Corinne often would say, if you have issues with me, come to me and tell me directly. But it seemed like when you spoke to her directly, that um, put you in a bad light and mm -hmm. and did not actually lead to anything productive. Were you worrying a lot about navigating that sort of dual imperative that you had with Corinne? Yeah. And that's actually why on that group date, when she invited everyone to give her feedback, that's why I didn't say anything. <laughs> Um, I talked with her a little bit with Vanessa one-on-one -on -one, or, you know, two-on-one, -on -one, uh, which they show just a clip of us talking with no audio. Um, but yeah, Interesting. So, yeah, I was like, oh, I wish that they would have shown that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was very difficult because I was very much trying to not give feedback and not come across like I'm trying to be a counselor, but then someone's asking for feedback and to tell us our concern, tell her our concerns. And then when I'm kind of pushed to that point of having to say something, it's then all projected back onto me and all my words are twisted. And um, it was mind-boggling. There's so much happening all the time. You're processing so much. It's incredibly stressful. And all the while you're trying to like build a relationship and, you know, further your connection with this guy who's balancing relationships with however other many women. Um, so sometimes I regret certain things and, you know, I'm kind of hard on myself, especially with hearing the feedback from people and feeling like as a counselor, I should have handled everything perfectly. Um, but then I stop and I'm like, no, I, I did the best I could. And I have to 
trust myself in that. This is very therapeutic for me. Yeah, actually, I, I love the idea of self compassion. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's something, something my my therapist tells me to practice all the time. So yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, beautiful. It's too, especially when you know you are taking in other people's criticisms and feedback of yourself, and um, you know, for me on the show, having that be so. Um, you know, so widespread, such a large amount of it everywhere on social media. And um, it can be really hard to not start to like think those things about yourself and start to beat myself up as a counselor. And, you know. Yeah. How, how has that been, you know, transitioning from you're a private person and all of a sudden mm-hmm. your personal life is kind of out there for people to consume as entertainment and mm-hmm. then give you often pretty harsh feedback Mm -hmm. on like what like that's a really big change that I I, that happens super abruptly yeah it's incredibly overwhelming um I went into the experience um with the goal of being very open with who I am and being very transparent with who I am uh and unfortunately that wasn't actually shown um so when I do get all this feedback from people, I try to remember that they actually don't know me. And the things that they are saying actually have very little credibility, um, which is partially why I love listening to your guys' podcast, because you guys do try to keep things in perspective, <laughs> um, you know, that it is a show and that there are things that you're not seeing. Um, but it, it has been really tough. Social media is not always the kindest, um, but I'm definitely learning a lot about how to cope with stuff like this and really experiencing like cyberbullying to the max. <laughs> um, it's tough. And I mean, I knew coming into this experience, I, I knew that some people would judge me as a counselor, just seeing that that's my job title. Um, but I also felt like I'm very confident and open with who I am as a person um, and we're moving towards these times of everyone having some kind of public image online. Um, So when it came to clients, knowing that, you know, I was very confident, secure with who I was and, you know, to an extent I'm comfortable sharing that with them. And if they feel like they want to watch the show or like they have watched the show and had questions that it'd be something that we would talk about in the context of how it impacts them and their treatment with me. Um, so I felt, you know, really confident going into this of how I would handle it afterwards and, um, you know, career wise at least, but it's definitely been very surprising how many people, or at least how loud a small group of people uh, have been about their criticisms and judgments towards me as a counselor and just as a woman on this show. We have to take a quick break, but we'll be back in a second to talk more with Taylor about her time in the Bachelor Mansion. Stay with us. If you want to bring coziness into your life, uh, and I mean, who doesn't? (laughs) Turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially right now, because the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite Lux home blanket. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. 
Dressing head-to-toe in barefoot dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. And their products make the perfect gifts, too. I would certainly love to be given something from Barefoot Dreams. I just acquired the robe, and it is like the softest robe I have ever put on my body. It's so cozy. It's so warm. It's beautiful. It has a nice drape and weight to it. I wear it whenever I have the opportunity. I just want to wear it constantly. And I think everyone should have that kind of comfort and coziness in their lives. For Love to See It with Emma and Claire listeners, you can get 15% off of your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code LTSI15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams' soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. <laughs> so important. I also just know myself. I, I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender, I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. I am so glad that it's finally warming up. And it also means that I just want to have fun this summer and I don't want to be worrying about meal prep. And luckily... I can do something about that with Factor, especially because they have so many meal options like Protein Plus, Keto, Vegetarian, something for every diet. Their fresh, never-frozen meals are ready to eat in just two minutes, so no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Make your whole day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. I love having a few factor meals just sitting in my fridge, especially because I work from home. It's so nice to finish up a taping and not have to figure out what to cook myself. Just look in my fridge and be like, oh, in two minutes, I can be eating mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice or tomato basil chicken risotto or... Santa Fe style green chili beef skillet. And they always have a nice like vegetable side. It feels well balanced. I feel full after and it's not a headache at all. Head to factormeals.com slash LTSI 50 and use code LTSI 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code LTSI 50 at factormeals.com slash LTSI 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some pretty delightful prices too. 
Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, high Tyler Cameron, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. Plus, they're dedicated to really thoughtful craftsmanship that honestly stands the test of time and looks good doing it. Article offers fast, affordable shipping across the U.S. and Canada. Plus, they won't leave you waiting around. You pick the delivery time and they'll send you updates every step of the way. I have long been an article girly, like every room of my house my house, my apartment, (laughs) you can see article furniture in. Most recently, we updated our balcony, you know, just in time. It's finally balcony season again, finally warming up in New York. And I have been out there with my coffee, sitting in the toady beach sand dining chair, which is a great little lounger for a small space. Again, New York City apartment. And uh, it just really, like, elevates our deck. That and the ottoman we bought to go with it, so comfortable, so chic, also can withstand a whole lot of rain. So important. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. They're having their Memorial Day sale from May 13th to May 27th, which would be the perfect time to use your store credit on top of sale prices. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list, as they should, because it's very important. If that's you, then make this year the year you finally check it off your list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Wow, that is really fast. Their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning link... Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. I personally used Babbel before I headed off to Paris for three weeks, and it was so helpful just kind of giving me back the basic understanding of French, allowing me to interact with people in restaurants, in shops, and, you know, just not make a total fool of myself when in a foreign country. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash LTSI. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash LTSI. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash LTSI. Rules and restrictions may apply. Before we get back to the podcast, Emma, have you checked out our news quiz on Google Home? I haven't. What is it? It's like a weekly quiz on Google Home where you can just check out how closely you've been following HuffPost's top stories, including the most important ones, The Bachelor stories. That actually sounds pretty cool. Um, Potentially more fun than some of the group dates this season, like the the shoveling poopy one. Yeah, they should definitely do a trivia night instead. It's (laughs) this is sort of like it. Can I see the quiz in action? Yeah, let's try this question. Welcome to the HuffPost headline quiz. Let's see how up to date you are on the news. Here's your first question. Which contestant threw up during her one on one date with Nick? Is it A. Corinne, B. Vanessa, C. Christina, D. Rachel? 
B, Vanessa. You got it. Wow. Remember when Vanessa threw up and Nick kissed her anyway? That's what we call true love, Claire. Romance at its best. So you're telling me there's a new quiz like this one every Friday? Yeah. If you have a Google Home, you should definitely try it out. You just say, OK, Google, talk to the Huffington Post, and the quiz will start. That sounds pretty sweet. Now, back to The Bachelor. We haven't talked about the two-on-one yet. Oh, yeah. We got um, we got to get we, into the two-on-one, of course. <laughs> we have to. What really happened? Because we see so little. Um, mm-hmm. We need to know, like, what's your take on the day? Um, my take on the day was that uh, I was definitely on the defensive, having had Corinne thought and had time with Nick first and said these things about me. Um, and actually watching the show back in Wisconsin, she went and said things Um which I didn't know had happened. So automatically, even before going on the two-on-one, I didn't even know, but (laughs) I was already on the defensive side of that. Um, And I mean, the voodoo priest women were really great. They were super nice. And like afterwards, you know, we talked and they were so friendly and so supportive. Were you sort of left with them and you just naturally connected for a cleansing ritual or was that set up in production? Uh, so I, I had to go do the cleansing ritual um, and part of me was like, no, this is going to look so weird. I'm going to look so crazy. Like, I don't want to do this. And the other side of me was like, you know what? This is part of the experience. Be vulnerable. Just go embrace with it. it. Be present. Yeah. Wow. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. So why the, did the women were actually really sweet and like very, very attentive? Yeah. Were they were they comforting to you like post breakup? Like yeah, they really were. <laughs> Even before that, actually, it seemed like she kind of. I mean, from the very beginning when she's giving us the rundown of stuff and introducing herself, um, you know, Corinne's freaking out with all the bugs and making these <laughs> comments, you know, that you don't see that were just kind of ridiculous and. Um, even before the reading, you know, as we're like walking over there, you know, she's kind of like giving me the eye, like, you're going to be okay, I think. <laughs> that's nice. So, I'm, yeah. That's good that they, they set up a nice moment for you <clears throat> after they had you abandoned in the bayou. Yeah, it was really sweet of them. <laughs> <laughs> so why did you end up going back after Nick let you go? And like, what was the timeline there? Mm-hmm. Um. So, I mean, you see, when he gives her the rose, I just don't say anything. Um, I was so surprised and really disappointed and just didn't have any words. Um, And so it was about like three hours, maybe, um, by the time I left the bayou and made it to do a double dip on their date. Um, (laughs) A re-return. Yes, a re-return. I re-re-interrupted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it just, it felt like my conversation with Nick, um, from what you see, is actually incredibly cut short, both times, actually. Um, but it felt like there was just a lot left unsaid, and I felt like he was perhaps getting the wrong image of who I was and wanted to kind of check that first and be like, if this is why you're sending me home, 
know that that's not true. Um, and second, you know, if you are sending me home because you don't feel like, like there's a connection, you know, I understand that, but also know that you're very much being manipulated here. Um, and just kind of wanting to like, try to talk some, some kind of reasoning into him and kind of having him open his eyes to like the bigger situation of what was happening. Is there anyone that you're pulling for who's left at this point? Um, I mean, majority of them. Yeah. Um, I think they all have really great things to offer and, um, they're all like doing really great things. I mean, we hear Rachel's going to be bachelorette now, so that's incredibly exciting. Um, I guess that, that puts her out of the running for Nick's heart. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, everyone who's been on the show, you know, they're all picked for a reason and they all bring these wonderful but very different and unique things to a relationship and um you know some might connect with nick and some might not and it's it's a really interesting process but i mean i hope for all of them no matter what that they first find peace and love for themselves and then are also able to hopefully find someone that they connect with and um can be you know a good complement to their life have you stayed close with any of the other girls since the show? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, very early on, uh, Danielle M and Vanessa and I got really close. Um, so I'm still very close with them and uh, good friends with Astrid um, and Christina, Dominique. Um, yeah, I would say those are kind of uh, Haley as well. Um, but yeah, there's, Definitely, I mean, with 30 girls and all these different personalities, some of us connect more than others, for sure. Um, but, yeah, I'd say pretty on good terms with the majority of them. Yeah, it seemed like a really cool group of girls this season. It's been fun mm-hmm. for us to watch. Yeah, we, we like, you know, guessing and figuring out all the friendships <laughs> as much as we like watching who the lead is. Uh, interested the in. true love stories yeah. of the season. Often the true love yeah. stories are the friendships, honestly. They yeah. they are often longer lasting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they definitely are. I mean, they're like totally my source of support throughout all of this. And I think we all kind of lean on, lean on each other at some point or another, whether it's, you know, watching ourselves get dumped on TV or <laughs> dealing with all this cyberbullying and social media stuff. You know, we definitely have to use each other for support. Yeah, are you guys on like a, a giant group text? <laughs> um, there was one at like the beginning, and now I think we all just kind of have like smaller individual group messages with you've each moved, other. You've moved on to the one on ones. Yeah. <laughs> and, Finally, I have my one on one. And what about uh, what's next for you? Like now that you're done with The Bachelor, are you going ahead with your your therapy career? Are you scoping mm-hmm. out sugar bear hair? <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I've decided to kind of put a pause again on counseling, um, not only to kind of focus on my process of the experience, but I've also gotten a lot of, um, really negative, hateful, sometimes concerning messages through my practice, um, from people who have watched the show. So it doesn't necessarily feel very safe for me to do right now. Um, but still definitely pursuing different ways to work with mental health and, uh, to focus on some aspects of counseling. Um, 
there's a teacher in New York that I'm working with on um, kind of helping develop projects, uh, helping spread awareness about mental health with youth. Um, and, you know, I have a blog that I'm going to try to hope to do some podcasts related to different topics on mental health. Um, and yeah, I mean, at this point, with not being able to do counseling, there may or may not be some Instagram ads in my future. <laughs> I'm going to be poor and needing to pay back my student debt. Like, <laughs> I think I'm going to have to uh, take whatever opportunities come. <laughs> that, that seems that like seems, a very, yeah. like probably a proximate cause behind a lot of Bachelor contestants ending up doing Instagram yeah, sponsorships. Like, yeah. this, is, this is where my life is at right yeah. now because everyone who meets me identifies me with mm-hmm. the show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, well, shit, now I understand why everyone does these Instagram ads because <laughs> it's like so hard to go back to whatever your normal job was or to, you know, start a new job with this public image of yourself that may not be fully who you are. And yeah, Instagram ads. Yeah, Yeah, one one can hope that, uh, you know, some of this dies down as we kind of move Mm -hmm. into Rachel's season eventually. And before we we let you go, we'd love to chat really briefly about Rachel as the Bachelorette, because obviously she's someone that you've spent time with. What Uh were your initial thoughts? Um, I mean, my initial thought when I left, like just thinking about the rest of the season was definitely that Rachel was going to be the next Bachelorette. Um, and I think all of us were kind of pulling for her and hoping it was going to be her. Um, and I mean, I, I couldn't be happier for her. She's so much fun. She is very down to earth. She's very intelligent and definitely someone who, um, you know, before my two-on-one, we had a girl chat together and, um, you know, she had really great feedback and was very good at challenging me and just having a really good, insightful conversation. And I look forward to her, her like challenging these guys on her season and, um, you know, exploring vulnerability herself, because that was definitely something we see her kind of express or struggle with um, going on her one on ones with Nick was you know, oh, I haven't been this vulnerable in a long time and I don't know how I feel about it. And so I'm looking forward to like seeing her kind of break through that and be courageous and, um, you know, explore love. Yeah, we're really excited for that, too. And it's it's great to see how supportive all of you guys have been of the announcement. Mm-hmm. We're excited yeah. for the season. And yeah. I would love to hear your thoughts also. I mean, obviously... Rachel is an incredible choice. We were we wanted her to be the Bachelorette from basically uh-huh. night one as well. Uh, but it is bringing up interesting conversations about the way that this franchise handles race because she's the first uh-huh. black woman to be cast as as the lead. And something that Claire and I took note of, you know, when we just even saw the bios of the women on Nick season was that it seemed to us like there was a notable increase um, in the number of women of color that were cast, which, I mean, it's ridiculous that we're even having this conversation, but, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's insane. But is that something, you know, that you thought about, A, before going on the show, just in thinking about the franchise? And also, like, what were your thoughts on on Rachel's positioning within that history? Mm -hmm. Um, I I definitely felt like, coming into this season that um, it was going to be a more diverse season. I think that was somewhat talked about 
um, you know, that Nick was very open-minded and wanted to meet, you know, a bunch of different women from different backgrounds. Um, and for me, I'm half black, half white. Um, and that was something, you know, I've had to face some adversity on and struggle with my own identity in terms of, uh, my race and my culture. But, you know, I think it is disappointing that we have to have this conversation about race on this show that has such a national platform, but I think they're definitely going in the right direction now. Um, and I think Rachel's a fantastic pick to be the first woman to kind of break this cycle of, you know, just the the whiteness on the show, I'm going to say. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, that's exactly <laughs> how, how I would The ridiculous amount of just, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all the faces that, that just blend together for <laughs> the yeah. last Yeah, I mean, there's some years. seasons where it's literally a full white cast. Um, yeah. Which... I don't know. I, I think wild. the show in some ways reflects society and in other ways um, can try to lead society in a different direction. Um, and I think this season was definitely more along the lines of reflecting our society. And I think Rachel being the bachelorette is definitely a new direction of, you know, pushing society in a in a different way. Yeah, let's hope so. Got yeah. our fingers crossed. I know, I know. Our fingers are really crossed. And I'm hoping that that means we get mm-hmm. to see some different kind of, you know, some more diversity in the men then. And yeah. hopefully that just keeps opens. Snowballing. Yeah, it keeps snowballing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, kind of to go back a little bit, and this is somewhat off topic of Rachel, but um, related to the race thing. Um, reflecting on my two-on-one and talking with some of the previous cast members and cast members from my season. Um, one thing I found super interesting was that, you know, in struggling with my racial identity growing up that, uh, you know, Corinne definitely reminded me of those girls in middle school and in high school who, you know, would uh, make fun of me or bully me for being part black. And I found it so ironic that of course I end up on a two-on-one being directly compared to this woman who is white and has had a very privileged life. Um, and just thought it really like put things in perspective for me watching back. And, you know, then I'm left on an, one of my family members brought this up of like, then I'm left on this swamp with like all these people of color and like, <laughs> you know, left back like to my roots. And I was like, that's a bit extreme, but, um, <laughs> but I was like, yeah, no. yeah, I can kind of see that. Um, yeah. Yeah. The yeah. show is very good at, at playing into people's deeply ingrained insecurities mm-hmm. and, and, and their... stereotypes sometimes. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it does bring up these conversations and, and, you know, sometimes they're, unproductive but hopefully moving forward we can kind of dive into mm-hmm. these issues and the way they play out in in terms of love and dating and yeah in, in yeah. a more productive way yeah yeah and, and also we're just really excited to see rachel because she's awesome who couldn't love <laughs> rachel yes yeah. so she great. still is i'm so happy for her yeah well we are gonna let you go but thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us this was really fascinating 
And we would say come back in the future, but um, only if you feel like it won't negatively affect your therapy practice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, But Um, yeah, if you're ever in New York, you know, working with this this teacher that you mentioned, definitely drop us a line. Yeah, drop yeah, drop definitely. by and give the bachelor contestant some some mental health guidance, or and... you could just like counsel us, which we realize would be un, un, potentially unethical, but like might might yeah. be helpful. Yeah. <laughs> And that's it for this bonus episode of Here to Make Friends. Thanks to our guest, Taylor Nolan, and of course, our producer, Nick Offenberg. Join us again next week for a recap of Episode 9, Part 1. 